This is Women's Leadership Success, episode number 75. What would you say if I told you you are wasting time, money, and even resources in everything you do? Yes, I'm talking to you. You and I are 24-7 waste generators, and we both know it's true. Now here's the amazing thing. There is a simple way to change this. It takes just minutes a day. It has been adopted by many corporations like Coca-Cola, Boeing, Amazon, FedEx, and many others. Join me and my guest, Paul Akers, author of the best-selling book, Two Second Lean, and you'll learn how to reduce waste and enjoy your life more. Welcome to Women's Leadership Podcast, showing you how to influence people, improve your performance, and advance your career. Brought to you by women's leadership and career expert Sabrina Brom and womensleadershipsuccess.com. Here's your chance to meet women trendsetters leading the way to success, accomplishment, and balance in business and life. No matter if you're a manager, CEO, or entrepreneur, join Sabrina for coaching and no-nonsense advice to improve your career and bottom line. This is womensleadershipsuccess.com radio, episode number 75. Today, I'm super excited to introduce you to Paul Akers, the author of Two Second Lean. Paul Akers is the founder and president of FastCap, based in Bellingham, Washington, It's an international product development company that he founded in 1997. He has over 2,000 distributors worldwide, and he is a prolific inventor. He has launched approximately 20 new innovative products a year since 1999. Welcome, Paul. Thank you so much, Sabrina. I'm happy to be on the show. Thank you. I I wanted to say a little background uh, about... Ten months ago, the co-president of the modal shop, whose name is uh, Tony Boeing, told me that he had heard you talk at Gazelle and had read your book and was going to start implementing it in his company. Wow. And when I read the book, I was really excited because the thing I liked about it was it, it was ideas that you could put into use immediately and I began to suggest it to people in different companies, and they began using it. And as of now, I know of a, a thousand people in different companies that I work with that are actually using Two Second Lean. So, is the, that exciting or what? <laughs> it, it, it is exciting. And so, the questions that I'm asking you, um, I want our, the audience that's listening to understand the background of what Lean is. And we've got lots of people that are listening that are already using this that have asked some specific questions for you. So for the the audience that isn't familiar with Two Second Lean, could you talk a little bit about what that is? Absolutely. So I'm setting my stopwatch right now because I'm going to give you the 60-second definition. So all you need to know is the 60-second definition and you understand Lean from start to finish. Are you ready? Ready. Okay. Starting the stopwatch. Lean is the ability to see waste in everything you do. So this is how it works. Everything you do in life is a process. 
How you brush your teeth is a process. How you get ready in the morning is a process. How you put on your makeup is a process. How you find your car keys is a process. How you answer your emails is a process. How you do invoicing is a process. How you communicate issues with your customers every day is a process. How you, how you manage your health is a process. How you eat is a process. How you cook is a process. Everything is a process. Now, all day long we're performing processes. From the time you start a specific process, let's say brushing your teeth, to the time you complete brushing your teeth, inside the start and stop and finish point of that is waste. There are elements that add no value. The only value that's occurring when you brush your teeth is when the bristles are touching your teeth. Everything else is non-value. When you're taking a toothpaste and you're applying it to the brush, it's non-value-added activity. When you're lifting the toothbrush to your mouth, it's non-value-added activity. Only at the moment that the teeth are becoming clean by the bristles scraping the debris off of it, that is value. So most of what we do all day long is non-value-added activity. We spend a lot of time in excess motion, over-processing, all kinds of waste, waiting, you know, over-processing with saying things over and over again because people don't understand them, whatever it is. So all we're trying to do is eliminate the waste from the starting point of every process to the ending point and eliminate that and make it smaller, more efficient, and recapture all the wasted resources that are involved in any process. That's all lean is. That's it. It took me two minutes to take say that. So it took me a little bit longer, but I timed it. That's that's really great. And as I'm listening, what I'm wondering is, yeah, but is it going to make life so miserable now that I'm having to watch how I'm putting the toothpaste on and doing all this stuff? How does how does it get implemented that it's huh. it's actually an enjoyable process? I know it is because I've got a lot of people doing it. But right, right. Well, you know, it's not only not, doesn't make it miserable, it, it, it just floods your life with joy. I mean, you become overwhelmed because everything in your life gets easy and you're not struggling anymore and your mind is engaged and you're playing this gigantic game. It's this search and find waste and eliminate it and all of a sudden all these resources that were being tossed to the side and in the gutter and flushed down the toilet, you're recapturing and you can use for other value-added activity, whether it be time, whether whether it be water, whether it be uh, wasted packaging, whatever it is, there's so much waste going around in our life. It's staggering. And so that's all we've done at our company. We've taught our people how to see the eight wastes and eliminate them every day by making small little improvements. And our people are so happy and so engaged that the first thing people walk into our facility and say, how come everyone's so happy? Well, because they're engaged, they're using their brain. They're actually adding value to their life and to the lives of our customer. It does just the opposite of making your life miserable. It makes it grand. I, I love it, and and I I agree with it. Um, so what are the what are the a ways that plague us? And I I just want to mention you have the best website I have ever seen. Mm. Of you have what you've got at least 150 videos that you can look at. Yes. Um, to watch these processes and explanations of things. So um, just mention the website name before yeah. you um, explain the eight ways. The number two, the digit two, second, 
two-second lean, L-E-A-N-E. That's it. And you will find me there. There's a picture of me right on the home page. Everything's free. I mean, we're, we're so generous with trying to teach this to the world, and we are teaching the world. You couldn't go in a country in the world that someone's not doing two-second lean. I mean, literally everywhere in the world. I, I just got back from Mercedes-Benz. They're, they're doing it. I'm in Kazakhstan all the time. They're doing it. I'm in Thailand all the time. They're doing it in China. You, you just in Singapore. It doesn't matter where you go. People are doing it everywhere around the world, Australia, New Zealand, all throughout South America, the biggest companies in the world, Coca-Cola, Bombardier, Boeing. You just can't name a company. Amazon. Amazon is like two-second lean maniacs. Yeah, and you know why? Because it works. That's what's so yeah. amazing. This stuff works. What are the eight ways? Okay, and it's so simple. I'm going to tell them to you in a story because this is the only way to understand the eight ways. You cannot memorize them. You have to understand them. And if I tell you in a story, you will understand them and never forget it. So I like to tell the story of making a salad. So you're having a party at your house, and there are four people attending. So you go to make the salad, right? And you make a little bit too much salad. So you make enough salad for six people, but there's only four people at the dinner. So you first waste is you overproduce. That is the mother of all waste. The minute we make too much of something, then all the other wastes start coming into play. All right? We overproduce. We make too much. So we made too much salad. We sit down at the dinner table. We eat. At the end of the dinner, we look at the salad bowl, and we go, oh, we have extra salad. So what do we have to do with that salad? We have to do the next waste. We have to transport. So now we've got to transport that salad back to the kitchen. Now it's in the kitchen. What do we have to do with that salad that's in the bowl in the kitchen? We have to put it into inventory. So now we open up our sub-zero refrigerator, and because we overproduce and we buy too much food, we don't buy food just in time, we buy way too much food, and half of it rots in our refrigerator. We all have this problem. So now we're buying these huge refrigerators that are using more energy, more consumption. I have one of these huge refrigerators, so I'm poking fun at myself right now. I have the big sub-zero refrigerator. Okay? So now we open it up and we put it in inventory. So first we overproduce too much salad. Then we transported the salad back to the kitchen. So that's waste. Now we're putting it in inventory. We're putting it in the refrigerator, and now we're burning more energy. I mean, it just goes on and on and on. It's crazy what happens there. Right, So now we've got the salad in inventory. Then three days later, we go to open up the refrigerator. We come home late at night from work, and we look in there for what's good to eat, and we see a bowl with some saran wrap over the top of it, and we pull the bowl out. We lift the, the saran wrap off, and we look at that salad, and it doesn't look very good and have a defect. That's, that's the fourth waste. We have a defect. So whenever we overproduce something, inevitably – Something's going to get a defect in it. It's going to get kicked around our shop. It's going to be put into inventory. The forklift's going to hit it. It's going to go into the refrigerator. The salad's going to wilt. It's not going to be very tasty. So now we've got a defect. We pull that thing off the rack. We pull it out of the refrigerator, whatever you want to call it. You pull it out, and now we have to over-process. There is the fifth waste. We have to over-process. We have something to it that we didn't know if we would have just produced what we needed when we needed it case if you're a guy you're going to you're going to put ranch dressing on it if you're a woman you're probably going to scrape it out because you're more discerning than guys guys will eat anything we're a bunch of garbage disposals and you're going to you're going to scrape that into the trash okay you're probably not going to eat it so now you're wasting motion 
fifth one is overprocessing, right? Because we got to add more salad dressing or we have to put it in the trash. And then in the process of doing that, we have motion. There's number seven. Okay, so we've got a lot of excess motion. And then meanwhile, our spouse is waiting for dinner. They're waiting, right? But we can't feed them dinner because we're doing all this stupid work because we overproduce. So we've got this whole waste stream carrying on taking care of this salad that we overproduce, right? So they're waiting. And then the last one is number eight, and we're wasting our potential as human beings because we were made to do fantastic things, to develop, invent, uh, create all kinds of wonderful things. But the preponderance of our life is caught up in doing incredibly stupid work because we overproduce everything we do in life. And so we're caught up into this waste vortex and we're not using our potential. Those are the eight ways in making a salad. Wow. <clears throat> it's it's such a great word picture, and you're right. I won't forget that. That is that is so beautiful. You can't. It's, it's just so clear. And if you understand it, and here's the beautiful thing. Once you see waste, you can't unsee it. Once you learn this concept, you can't unsee it. For the rest of your life, you're going to go, oh, my gosh, look at all the waste there. And that gives you the power now to make change and to improve. Beautiful. You talk about the 24-7 waste generator. What is that? Well, that's all of us. We're all 24-7 waste generators. Okay. I'm, the, I, I'm, the, I'm, the king, I'm the king of all of us. Every human being on the earth just generates waste like it's going out of style. But none of us think of it that way. None of us realize that that's who we are. But we're all that way. I'm like the lean guru, right? I travel all over the world. Everybody knows where I, who I am. I walk into any place I walk in, be oh, Paul Akers. I'm the worst of all. <laughs> I, I generate so much waste, it's staggering. But it doesn't bother me because I'm not like mad at myself. I just look at it as opportunity to make my life better and improve it. And every day, my life gets better. So everything we do in life is just generating waste. It's just part of the way it works. I don't know how else to put it. You know, the best example I like to give, and I've never said this in an interview before, but I'm going to say it now because I think it makes so so it's perfect sense. You think of human beings, what we do, you know, we, whether it be, you know, flushing the toilet, whether it be washing our dishes, whether it be, uh, you know, mowing our lawns, uh, you know, we open the fertilizer bag and then we have to put the fertilizer bag in the trash and then it has to be taken to the trash with a recycler or all the things we do, right? Uh, all humans do is generate waste. I mean, it's crazy how much we generate. And I'm not down on humanity at all. I mean, we're, we're smart people. We've created a great life for ourselves. But if you ever walk into nature, like I've been all throughout Africa. I've been on many, many safaris. There is no waste in the, in the, in the savanna. There's waste in the wilderness. You think about it. A, a, a lion goes and kills a gazelle, Right. And he eats as much as he can, and the next thing you know, the hyenas come, and they eat more. And the next thing you know, the buzzards come, and they eat more. Everything compounds down and nothing. The, the savanna grows and enriches. There's no refrigerators in, in Africa. There are no refrigerators out in the bush in Africa. It's like it's the perfect system. It's really incredible when you observe nature, how absolutely efficient. I, I, I love it. I've, I've... Can you point out the difference between the two-second lean? You know, a lot of companies have done lean programs, but the two-second lean seems to be something that is one can really get engaged in. Can you talk about the difference yeah. there? 
It's easy because, it, like I said, I have my, my stopwatch set. It took me one minute and 59 seconds, 0.26, to tell you what lean is. The difference between two-second lean and the reason why it spreads around the world and we have corporations like Coca-Cola and Boeing and Amazon and FedEx, and you, you just can't name a major corporation that's not using it, right? It's because it's simple, because it doesn't take a consultant to understand it. You can explain it to anybody when I... When, when Coca-Cola bought 600 books from us, we called them up and we said, why did you buy 600 books? And they said, it's very simple. The CEO totally gets what you're saying. And the starting janitor totally gets what you're saying. Everybody understands what you're, ta- what you're asking us to do. Everyone can do it. That's why Two Second Lean is so powerful. I took a concept that typically would have been very complicated, and most people make it very complicated with value stream mappings and A3s and, and all the Japanese terms and everything else. And I know them all, and I've done them all. I'm, I, I know all this stuff. And they've made it so complicated that people's eyes just glaze open. They say, i got work to do. I don't have time to do that. And all we're saying is, see waste. Fix what bugs you, do it every day, and then go to work. That's all we're saying. Beautiful. It's that simple. Paul, in, in your book, you talk about visiting, is it the Hawks Company in Japan? Yes. Would you right. tell what happened, the surprise that you, you got when you walked in there? Well, there were so many surprises at Hawks. I think the first thing when I drove up to the building, it was not a very pretentious place. It was pretty pretty simple looking. It wasn't this big, fancy, sophisticated looking company. So that was probably the first thing that struck me. And, and why and, were you, maybe you should back up and say why you were at Hawks. What was the, what were you wanting to learn there? Well, we, I went there specifically to become an expert at lean because once I learned the power of lean in my own company, I was so blown away by the results because as I tell the story in my book, I mean, we were a rock and roll good company. We won business of the year. Everybody wanted to work for us. We were making lots of money. <laughs> I mean, everything about our company was great. I mean, anybody that looked at our company would say, this is like one in a million. This is very unusual. And then we had lean consultants come into our company, and they basically walked around, and they told me that I was clueless, and I didn't have a clue what I was doing. And I was going, what? I'm, I'm like world class. And he goes, no, 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 you are clueless. And I said, really? Well, what do I need to do? And they said, you need to learn the TPS system, Toyota Production System, Lean Manufacturing, or Kaizen. I had no clue what those words were. And so I said, what do I have to do to learn it? And they said, well, you can hire these young kids from Japan. Brad and John were my first consultants that I hired. And they came into my company. I paid them $10,000 a week, which was a ton of money. I didn't have 10000 bucks a week to pay for a consultant. Those, those are outrageous numbers. I never even heard. I didn't even know consultants made that kind of money, right? But I, I, I knew... I needed to learn what they were telling me. I don't know why. My gut just told me. My wife didn't want to do it. I talked her into it. You know, she's very physically conservative, and I'm conservative too, but, you know, she's maybe more conservative than I am. But I said, I've got to learn this. And so I hired these two kids to come in there, and they took processes that I had set up. I'm a manufacturing expert. I know what I'm doing. I mean, I've really been around the block here. And they took processes that I had set up, and my factory was immaculate. It was perfect. Everything about it looked awesome. They took them from 45 minutes to five minutes in one week. So they took my processes that I thought were great and that it was taking me 45 minutes to perform, and in one week they did it in five minutes. Well, I I felt like a buffoon. I felt like an idiot. I felt like, oh, my gosh, I am so far off the bank. It's unbelievable, and that's what they told me. They said, basically, you're clueless, and they were right. I was beyond beyond clueless. Uh So when when I found that out, Sabrina, 
I wanted to find out more about lean. I really wanted to like go to where it was all developed, even though it's all an American idea and the Japanese just perfected it. I went to Japan, and then Brad and John offered a trip to Japan. I went there to go to Lexus, to go to Hawks, to go to a variety of different companies that were very very effectively implementing lean, and Hawks was one of them. And Hawks made the biggest impression on me than any company that I've ever been to. So that's why I was there. Now uh-huh. you want me to tell the story of what yes. happened at Hawks? Yes. So we, we, we pulled up in the bus. It was a very unassuming place. You can see a picture of it in the in the, in the the book that I wrote. And... You know, we were all there in our business suits and everything, and, and we walked in. The first thing they, do, they made us do was clean their facility. It was crazy. I was down on my hands and knees scrubbing the floor with the president of the company on my hands and knees, and I was pissed because I was saying, this is the stupidest thing in the world. We have floor cleaners for doing this. Why in the world is he doing this? You know, But that's what we were doing. You know, And everybody in our tour was cleaning the windows, cleaning the bathrooms, cleaning the toilets, cleaning the floors, and I happened to be right with the president of the company doing it. And so at the end of the day, what I realized is he was trying to teach me humility, that if you really want to be a great leader, you got to get down on the shop floor with your people and work with them shoulder to shoulder. You can't lock yourself up in an office and if you do that, you're going to have a great company. And so that was the first thing I learned from Hawks. The second thing I learned from Hawks was the concept of 3Sing instead of 5Sing. So all lean practitioners that I know of in the world do something called 5S, sweep, sort, standardize, sustain, and self-discipline. Well, Hawks took the, two, the self-discipline and sustain out of the equation. They said, we don't need to remember those two because we're going to do 3Sing every day for the rest of our life. So it's automatic. So why should I even bother trying to remember something that I'm going to do by default? It's so important to 3S. So every morning in our facility, we walk in, we polish the facility. If you walk into FastCap, it is the cleanest company in the world. There is nothing, nowhere, no place. Disneyland looks like a pigsty compared to our place. Okay? Uh-huh. So we polish our, our facility every day. It's immaculate. Then we sort. We get rid of any crap that's laying around anywhere. There is no clutter anywhere, right? It's gone. And then we create standards. So this morning in my desk drawer, I had a couple extra microphones that I needed to cut in foam. So instead of just throwing them in my desk drawer, because 99% of all desk drawers in the world are total pigsties, you open up my desk drawer, it's perfect. It's all set in Kaizen foam. Everything has a place. I have one pen. I have one highlighter. I have one pencil. I don't have a pencil jar. I only have exactly what I need. I didn't overproduce. So I don't have to manage all the inventories of a pencil jar on my desk. I open my desk drawer. There's one highlighter. There's one pen. And there's one one uh, pencil. You see how simple it is? So I created a standard. So we do that 3Sing every day. Then we meet as a team, and this is what Hawks taught us. Every morning they met as a team. They stretched. They talked about what the goals were for the day. They, they met as a team, 100 people. And we were going, wow, this is crazy. You meet every day? We meet every day. We 3S every day. And I go, and this is the essence of lean. And basically that's what the president told me. This is the essence of lean. You come in, you 3S your facility, you meet as a team, you make small improvements every day, and you go to work. That is what happened at Hawks. I'd never seen anybody reduce it down to such a simple concept that I was like, I can do this. That was what I said to myself. I can do this. Every other place I ever went that saw lean, I go, how do I do this? That's beautiful. That's what happened at Hawks. That is really uh, that's a great story and and because I've got a lot of different companies using this one of the 
challenges some places is that some people just do lip service and won't actually do it. What do you do with that? In other words, you know, somebody's saying, um, this is what bugs me, this is what I'm going to do, and another person is daily saying, I'm going to sweep my area, or something that isn't really, they're not really doing, they're just kind of giving it service. How do you, how well, do you deal with something like okay, that? Well, well, here's the honest answer. Some of your listeners are going to they're going to start hating me right now, but I'm okay. going to be honest. I'm going to be honest with you, okay? Paul Akers, I, I have I have on my board right now, literally on my wipe off board for my leadership training. Okay, this is what I have. I have a a, a scale a, a scale of one to a hundred, and the first part of my scale goes from one to seventy. And what you need to do to be a great leader from 1 to 70% is you need to be a trainer and a teacher. So 70% of everything I do in life is teaching and training. So if you want to be a great leader, you need to be a teacher and a trainer 70% of your time. Okay? Okay. Then 20% of you need to be a nice guy. Okay? Nice guy. Uh That means... You know, you're a friendly guy. I'm a friendly guy. Most people are listening to me right now. That guy sounds like a friendly guy, right? Right. I I am a friendly guy. I love people. I love supporting people. I love encouraging people. So we got 70% teacher and trainer. We got 20% nice guy. But we got 10% left over. Uh Uh-huh. What what, what do you think that 10% is? Mean? I'm an asshole. That's what I have on there. I will be a real asshole to you. If you don't get it and you want to drag your feet and you want to disrupt the implementation of the greatest business philosophy the world has ever known, you are going to come up against one difficult person. So the answer to your question is, I am going to train you like crazy. I am going to be a really nice guy to you. But if you decide you don't want to do this, you ain't going to work here. Beautiful. I love the answer. I love the answer. And I'm wondering back to the train part, you know, when people are saying what they're going to do for the day, is it really important to follow through where you're going around and seeing what they did? Does that help them to get more Oh, absolutely. One of our most popular videos, it has like 70, 80, 90,000 views on the Internet, is called the Morning Improvement Walk. Everybody want to know, how did you get all your people to do this? Well, every morning for two years, I walked through my entire facility and worked with every person during the 3S process and helped them understand what 3S was. So I really trained them at a high level. I was there, put my arm around them, saying, hey, Bob, Mary, this is what's going on. Do you need help? How can I help you make your improvement? You know, and everybody understood it, but I did that for two years. Now, I don't have to do that anymore because our people are so well-trained. But the truth of the matter is I'm always on the shop floor. I don't have an office. So all I've done all day long before this interview was I was on the shop floor with my people all day long. There is no office for Paul Akers. I'm always on the shop floor with them. So I'm always teaching and training. I'm always being the nice guy. Uh, To be honest with you, for me, the asshole equation is about like 1%. It's really not 10%, but some people, might, it's going to have to be 10% to start with. You know, I, I rarely have to be difficult with my people, rarely, because they get it. 
That's that's beautiful. I, I I really like what you're saying there. Now, a lot of the people that are using this are not production workers. They're in offices, or they're you know they're out like claims reps. Um, one company is Farmers Farmers Insurance. Um, Eric Siggs, who's the director of uh, the West Zone for Auto, right. has okay. 600 people doing this who are claims reps. Isn't that awesome? And yes, and they're um, it's really changed employee morale because people are getting to say what bugs them. It's mm-hmm. been huge. Mm-hmm. But do you have any suggestions? Is there a difference when it's like claims reps or office people as opposed to production people in terms no. of? No, and uh, first of all, I just got to give a call out. You said the guy's name's Eric? Eric Siggs. And hey, Eric, Eric Siggs, I want to just say, Eric Siggs, you're a genius. Eric Siggs, you're my hero. Eric Siggs, you're one of the most amazing leaders I've ever heard of in my life because most people in Eric Siggs' position would make up every excuse in the world why it would not work, work because they're not manufacturers. Eric Siggs, you are amazing. That's all I can say. Okay? I, I agree, and thank you for that. So, so it's just it's all the same. It it's all the same because, as, as I said in the beginning, Sabrina, it's all a process. It doesn't matter whether or not you're a claims process or whether or not you're a manufacturing process. All you're doing is performing all these tasks all day long. Whether what does it matter? Everything you do in life is a process. You're just trying to eliminate the waste, fix what bugs you, and do it in a disciplined day, way every day for the rest of your life. And guess what happens? Every day you get up, your life is better than the day before. That is the critical component. Every day you get up, it's better than the day before if you do this. Now, this this is actually a question from Eric. Is it possible that it, it becomes obsessive? Does it get to a point where, you know... Yeah, yeah. You, most, most people would say, I'm. A, here's what most people would say about me. Wow, you're a fanatic. I want your life. Everybody says to me, the, the very first thing people say to me is, I want your life. I, I can't imagine what it would be like to have a life like yours. I can do anything. I can go anywhere. I have total freedom. My people are awesome. I have people around the world that are calling me nonstop. My email cat will not stop with people saying, you've changed my life. Who doesn't want that? Uh, if, that, if, if, that's, if that's the definition of obsessive, I want to be super obsessive. That's beautiful. Hey, I've got a, a question here from Mike Lally, who's the founder and owner of the Modal Shop in Cincinnati, Ohio, another great person. Um, and he says, how do you keep team members engaged and positive when other team members continue to find deeper waste after the team members' initial innovation, especially in engineering. In other words, somebody you're doing the, the group in the morning and somebody says, this is what I'm going to do, and the minute they say it, somebody else says, oh, well, you could do that even better. So they're... they're well, here, here's the way. That's a very simple, actually, answer. Okay. The, the key to eliminate all the tension, excuse me, all the tension and friction that's involved in that is to teach your people... Again, one simple concept. Every improvement is on a criteria of four points. So it doesn't matter whether or not it's Paul's idea 
or it's Sabrina's idea, or it's Mike's idea. The only thing that matters is that the improvement fits this set of criteria. So it takes the personal aspect away from the idea that, oh, that was my idea, and says, no, all we're trying to do, all Mike is trying to do, all Sabrina's trying to do, and all we're trying to do is add value to the customer. We are doing what we're doing to add value to the customer. We're not doing it for us. We're doing it for the customer. We're in to serve the customer. So if you get that big perspective, it's not about you. It's not about your ego. It's not about you winning the award. It's not about you getting the, the slap on the back. It has nothing to do with you. Get you out of the equation. It's about the customer. So if you, if you first understand that concept, then we'll talk about the four criteria for making improvement. The very first thing whenever you make any improvement, the most important criteria is safety. So in a manufacturing world, uh, that's pretty critical. So we're not going to go make an improvement that's going to save time and be faster if in the process you're compromising safety and then somebody can get hurt because then if somebody gets hurt, that's not going to be faster. That's going to actually cost a whole bunch more time and be chaotic, right? So we always want safety to be the number one guiding principle. Okay? Uh-huh. The second one is quality. And this is driver behind why we do lean. We don't do lean for money. If you do lean because you want to make more money, you have completely missed the reason why lean should be done. The only reason you do lean is to add and improve quality for the customer. No better example than Southwest Airlines. Southwest Airlines is the most successful airline in the world, in the history of the world. In money, they fly more people than any other airline in the world every month. They're not even the biggest airline in the world, but they've mastered adding value to the customer. They've simplified the process by only flying one 737. They've simplified the process on maintaining the plane because all their mechanics can work on the same plane. All their pilots can fly the same plane. All their flight attendants can fly the same plane. They have all the same training manuals. Everything has been simplified. And in the process of doing that, they can offer very affordable prices, quality for the customer, and they turn their planes faster than anyone else in the world. They turn their planes in 22 minutes to 30 minutes. It's unheard of. Everybody's plane sits there for an hour. So what they've done is they've increased the value-added value activity for Southwest Airlines when the plane is flying through the air. There is no value when it's sitting on the ground and you're waiting to get on the plane. There's no value. So they increased the quality for the customer, drove down the cost. The first thing was in quality, and in the process drove down the, qua the cost, and the result is in the most successful airline in the history of the world. So quality is number two. And the next thing is simplicity. You want to make everything simpler. If when you make an improvement, if you, if you make it convoluted, you add 10 steps to it, that's not an improvement. You want to subtract. You want to make it simple. Let's look at Hawks. They took 5-Sing and turned it into 3-Sing. That is an improvement. They simplified it, right? So let's talk about this. Let's use a Hawks example. Was there any safety issue with them removing sustain and self-discipline? No, there was no safety issue because they're, they're doing 3S every day. So there's no safety issue. That criteria is, is moot. Did they improve the quality by making it 3S over 5S? 
Well, they did improve the quality because they said we're going to 3S every day instead of once a week like most, most companies do. So they improved the quality. Did they make the process simpler? They made it way simpler. Who can't remember three things? Five things, a little difficult. Three things, easier. They simplified the process, right? And did they make the process, did they increase the speed in which the process gets done? I don't know whether or not they did that or not. I don't think really that criteria was met necessarily, but it doesn't matter. It didn't compromise the first three. They definitely got a better quality product, and they definitely got a simpler product. So they met two of the criteria, so it meets the criteria for making an improvement. Did I make any sense with that? Or that that totally, totally does. Totally. That's a great example. And so what's number four? So the four, the, the four are the first one is safety, uh-huh. and then quality, simplicity, and speed or efficiency. Okay. So everyone thinks lean is all about doing things faster and more efficient. It really is not. Lean is all about quality. Totally. And when you produce and when you produce quality, everything is faster and more efficient. And it's, people don't believe that, but it actually is the case because when you don't have a quality product, you have to rework it over and over again. That's why most people like to buy Honda generators, for instance. That's why Toyota is the most popular car in the world. That's why when you go to Africa or any third world country, the only car they drive basically is Toyota because it's the only car that can hold up on the bad roads. Uh-huh. So they, they buy quality, and the quality is actually cheaper than buying a cheap car. So they bought a cheap car in Africa. It, they would have to buy the cheap car ten times. But they buy one Toyota, which is more expensive, but it actually costs way less because it just keeps running. Beautiful. <clears throat> I've got just two more questions here. One, this is a little more complicated question. This is, again, from Mike Lally from the Modal Shop. How do you engage individuals in a team when you have quality control standard systems? How does the potential unanticipated effect of an untested change lead to bureaucracy and black holes that can deter workplace innovation? Now, maybe we can translate that. Yeah, well, you know, again, it's the whole thing, Mike. You just want to simplify everything. You don't, you don't, you don't allow those black holes. You can see, I can see those black holes a mile away, right? And so I'm just not going to let that happen. And the answer to the question is you go back to those four criteria and you evaluate every improvement based on that criteria. That's the first thing you do. The second thing, Mike, that you're going to do is you want to make sure that you don't make a wholesale change in your company until it's been thoroughly tested. So let's say you have, uh, you know, 100 processes that you do every day in your company. And let's say you've got 100 people doing one of those processes. You've got 100 people doing one of those 100 processes. I'm not going to go say, oh, let's go ahead and make that change to this process, and let's get all 100 of them doing it all right now. Oh, no. We're going to have one person do that process, and we're going to have them do it day after day. We're going to look at it. We're going to, we're going to evaluate. We're going to make sure it truly is an improvement, and then we're going to roll it out to two people, and then we're going to get consensus. Then we're going to roll out to three people. We're going to get consensus. Everyone says, yeah, indeed, that's a better way to do it, and then we're going to make a wholesale change. A beautiful. That's a beautiful answer. We're just about done. Uh, again, the mobile shop wants to know, are there latent forums or spaces where companies from different industries can exchange successes along the lean journey? 
Oh, my gosh, yes, absolutely. Well, two-second lean is the greatest lean forum in the whole world. So, number one, we have a new thing on our website that was created by one of the lean companies called Mission Bell down in uh, San Francisco, a big cabinet shop. And they said, Paul, you really need to have something on your website called the Lean Hub, where all lean people around the world can go and find out other lean companies that are in their area so they could cross-pollinate and collaborate and work together as a team. So if you go on 2secondlean.com, you'll see a, a tab there that says Lean Hub, and you can find out other people in your area. And if you want to become part of the Lean Hub, you can sign up and say, I want to be part of the Lean Hub. I want to help teach and train other people in my area so I can spread this incredible message of continuous improvement. So, yeah, that's the best way. And then we say sign up for our newsletter. Uh, every week I send out a two-second lean ask from people to people all over the world, and it's videos that I receive from people all over the world who have made really cool improvements that will inspire you and keep you thinking about what lean is really all about. Beautiful. Okay, the last question, and I have been dared to ask this to you by the crazy people at the mold shop. And that is, what's your favorite Duran Duran or YouTube two song? Uh, yeah, that's funny that you would say that. So I, I would say, and it's and, it, and it's not necessarily commensurate with the way I believe, but I still haven't found what I'm looking for, even though I have found what I'm looking for. But I love that song. It's just like when I when I run in the morning, when I work out, I just love the beat of that song. It's just so incredible. That's beautiful. Thank you so much for taking the time, the much more time than I expected you to do, but we really, really appreciate it a lot. Thank you, Paul. Well, well, Sabrina, you're a joy. I love your passion. I love what you're doing to help people, and I'm all about connecting with other great people because when you surround yourself with awesome people, you're going to have an awesome life. It is That is so true. Thanks again. Can you do me a favor? I would really appreciate you giving me a great review on iTunes. Every great review allows us to get more women to discover the show and helps them to succeed. Also, I would really appreciate you sharing my show with your friends and associates. And thanks for listening. Thank you for joining your host, Sabrina Brom, on another Women's Leadership Podcast. If you have questions or comments, you can email her at sabrina at sabrinabrahm.com. Since 1989, Sabrina and her team have helped hundreds of women managers, business leaders, and entrepreneurs with valuable trainings, articles, books, and executive coaching. For additional tips, interviews, and free access to Great Leaders Today mini-course, visit www.womensleadershipsuccess.com.